0: English podcast, success stories from beyond the English language barrier. Follow along with the transcript linked in the description. Hello and welcome to the Natural English podcast. My name is Nahum and if this is your first time listening, be sure to check out the transcript, vocabulary list and homework activities that we have. The link is in the description. And today I'm joined by an old friend, sounds a bit uh, strange to say an old friend because I'm only 26, <laughs> but a, a great friend from, from university, uh, Guillermo, welcome. welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much,
1: Niamh, glad to, glad to be here.
0: I've not, I've not said to Guillermo, but we're going to leave out any embarrassing stories from, from university. <laughs> uh, that's a shame. There are, there are a few, I think. We each probably have oh, s- oh, yeah. something to say about each other. Um... <laughs> Absolutely, yes. So, Guillermo, yeah. uh, where, where are you from and where are you based?
1: Um, well, I'm originally from Bilbao. It's, um, it's a city in northern Spain in the Basque country. And I lived there until I was 18, so most of my life, I guess. And at the moment, I'm based in Barcelona, so still in Spain. I'm doing a master's degree at the Polytechnic University of Catalonia, and yeah, that's that's am doing at the moment.
0: Yeah, and we met in in Manchester. So you've also had an abroad experience abroad for quite a lot of, of your life.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Um, that was that was a good time actually. Um, so that was three years in Manchester because. I, I did that year abroad in California, if remember third year. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that actually, I think, helped me with my, since this is the natural English podcast thing I should mention, but <laughs> my <laughs> English got a lot better during that time. So, <laughs> yeah, it helps, it helps to go abroad.
0: Yeah, I, I was saying, I was just saying to Guillermo before we started recording, his accent has, is very British. Uh, when, when we first met, it was the more American uh, <laughs> variation, but over time, he's he's kind of changed it to British. Um,
1: <laughs> I was I was very I was actually very shocked to mention that because well, I haven't lived in the UK for a while now, so yeah. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that I'm still keeping it up there.
0: Just just watching Peaky Peaky Blinders or something, <laughs> <laughs> or just some old Top Gear episodes in QI. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great. Well, um. You've mentioned you're doing a master's. So it's a really interesting field. I've, I've done a bit of research and preparation for the podcast. Uh, so can you tell us about the, the field of research that you're in? Um, yeah. So um,
1: swarm robotics is the, um, the study of groups of robots that uh, consist of simple agents that can interact with each other and with environments surrounding them and by doing so, the swarm can have this collective behaviour. So, think of, for example, a flock of birds or a school of fish. In these scenarios, each of the agents, for which individuals, that is, a single fish or a single bird, has no idea of what the entire group is doing itself, but they can observe what those other agents or individuals around them is doing, and by applying a few simple behaviours they can lead to all these interesting patterns that we see when if, if you've been to the countryside then you'll see these fox birds merging and flowing around in very quite mesmerizing way yeah. and the same same goes with the schools of fish so what we're doing through robotics is to draw inspiration from those from those social animals or insects like ants or, or bees and we'll try to apply that to robotics to perform a series of collective tasks
0: yeah, I mean I, I should say as well, swarm uh if anyone's unfamiliar with the word swarm itself, it's like a for a big a big group, usually usually insects, but it can, I think for swarm robotics it's as you've mentioned it's not just necessarily how insects behave but all kind of all of nature. Oh yeah, 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 definitely.
1: So insects are a very good example because they they do very many interesting tasks collectively. You think of colony of ants they will they will forage food items from the surroundings they can they can find very large items and then they can they can get together the small group of ants to lift it or just push it back to the to the nest and um, they can also build bridges to to connect to spots that are separated and all these interesting things. You can also think of termites they build mounds by using using planes, live. But then um, other animals, to mention fish and birds, they also exhibit this, these very interesting behaviors that we can try to map into robotics.
0: I, w- I was listening to a video, which it's available in the homework, if anyone wants to listen to it, uh, and it was talking about the benefits of swarm robotics. So if you have 100 robots and two or three malfunction. The task still continues, whereas if it 's kind of you don 't put all your eggs into one basket when, when, you, when you have a swarm of robots, um, what other kind of benefits do you think uh, there are
1: well um, so what you mentioned this is definitely one of the main interests of swarms and but there's there's others for instance, swarms are supposed to be what we say is scalable, so a swarm should be independent of how many robots are composing it yeah. so i mean so long as you get to minimum swarm size to be for it to be able to go a swarm your agents should be able to perform the task they need to perform regardless of whether they are 20 robots 25 or 50 obviously that leads to some other difficulties but all in all that's that's the idea and also because they they interact locally um they are also flexible so they they can behave, they can perform in different environments, even if, even if the train the, the is different, and they can tackle various tasks as well. But yeah, the robustness, like you mentioned earlier, is definitely one of the crucial points of being able to remove robots and they'll still
0: perform, which is awesome. Yeah, it takes out the lot the, the, of the risk factor in certain uh, activities. And exactly. your, your, your kind of project, so I understand you're working in a team um in kind of layman's terms what what is the the objective of your your research
1: well at the moment um what i'm trying to do is to get a set of robots i think um well technically are industrial robots but (laughs) i think that's relevant at the moment what i'm trying to get is a set of robots to do this foraging of large items that i mentioned earlier so, I want to make them leave the nest area, try to find these large items that any single robot cannot carry, and then they're supposed to recruit other agents around them, and all together they're supposed to lift this item and bring it back. And to do so, I'm using some very, very interesting, um, what we call evolutionary techniques. So, <laughs> you take your initial algorithms and then you apply evolution to them, and... Your initial algorithm, which obviously does not do what you want to do, will end up doing exactly what you want to do. Or something very close to it, which is just the objective.
0: Yeah. I think it's fascinating. Uh, where I live, uh, there's, there's lots of ants, uh, leaf-cutting ants. And recently, I've just sat and watched, watched their behavior and how they're able to move around each other uh, kind of effortlessly. And... Another of the examples that was on the video, the homework, um, was I think you mentioned it actually, that some insects build bridges with their own bodies so that others can can kind of cross that gap. It's kind of it's it's fascinating to watch um how that happens.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And you, you mentioned leaf got ants and I believe it was them that have a very interesting recruitment method. I think they, they use the, the pincers. To to make noise and actually attract people, uh, people <laughs> attract all the ants <laughs> uh, yeah. so that will help
0: them carry Ma- back man eating uh, ants. I wouldn't be so <laughs> I wouldn't be so close to them. But maybe that was it. They made the sound, and I just I was drawn to them. Just sat watching them. <laughs> uh, definitely,
1: yeah, that must be in it.
0: <laughs> Great. And well, for, for anyone who's maybe thinking about going into robotics. In the future, maybe they're a uh, lower level of study at the moment, but they're looking to maybe specialise. What what sort of resources or advice would you give um, to them?
1: Well, here's the thing. Um, I feel like a lot lot of the resources that will allow you to learn robotics are already online, and you can access them very easily. Um, Surely the most cutting edge research would require some specialised knowledge, but you can go up tons of websites. Um, there's, for instance, robohub.org. They collect articles and posts from all these different sources into one single site. Uh, there's also one called the Robot Reports. If you want more news about industrial applications of robotics, and basically you can you can go on Google, well, it's so changing. You, you like, yeah, and find all these different sites that collect um, news about robotics. But then um, if you're more into, for instance, DIY um, robotics or projects, you can just go on Reddit and you'll find tons of people posting updates and different um, attempts they they do to try to get RC cars, for instance, or drones. Mm. There's a huge drone community out there because it's become, it's become a huge hubby nowadays and people are very invested in, in drones. Uh, you guys go on YouTube and you can check out online courses. That's for sure. If you're looking to actually getting some um, knowledge on robotics, perhaps more in the scientific base of robotics, then online resources, courses, they are very very useful. I Actually, took a few before I started this master's degree, and you know they're, they're very interesting for some for some basic introduction to things.
0: Yeah, awesome, it's good. Yeah, You gave some specific sites as well. Uh, I'll, I'll be sure oh, yeah. to, to put them in the, the lesson for people to, to access to. Sure, and also, uh,
1: lots of cities have um, local robotics clubs. For instance, uh, maybe schools or universities or maybe even local businesses that put up some uh, benches and they have uh, perhaps some robotic platforms there for people to play with or 3D printers and things like that. So, Make sure you check those out, see see if there's anything in your area that could be interesting.
0: Very cool. Very cool. And thinking a bit more about your, your English language, as with an English uh, school, uh, clearly it's been a big part of getting to where you are today with your study abroad. And you're currently doing uh, a master's with, you have team based in different countries. Um, so yeah, ha- what what's the... The most important thing for someone who's in the robotics field uh, in terms of their language, how do you mostly use English?
1: Well, um, I feel like in science and technology, English has become the default language in absolutely everything there is to do. So all articles are, or most articles are published in English, Um, international conferences are in English. If. If you go on online courses, most of them will be in English as well. And of course, the terminology will be in English most of the times. So I feel like if you get into, if you really want to get into any of these fields, having a good grasp of the language is is fundamental. It definitely helps. Even in, in most laboratories, regardless of the country you're in, since the community will be so international, English is the default language. I Even mean, if it's here in Spain or france switzerland
0: yeah really is essential um people might think that your english became amazing when you were in the uk but actually when we met you, you arrived from spain you were already speaking uh really really well um and your particularly your accent i have to say is mm-hmm. is beautiful british accent i'm sure lots of people will envy that accent um, <laughs> So specifically on pronunci- pronunciation, which is perhaps something that isn't always a priority, but it's really nice to, to be able to you know, have, a, have a great accent like, like yourself. If if someone wants to practice their pronunciation, what, what have you found useful for that? Well, I think when
1: you're trying to learn a new language, the pronunciation part is perhaps tricky is because it requires a lot of confidence. Uh, sometimes you feel a bit embarrassed about what you're trying to say, and therefore you don't you know really try to do as best as you possibly could but it is it is really important to just get yourself out there and and do it and just try to pronounce as well as you possibly can but also there's there's parts that is just the conscious effort to try to emulate what you see others do at least that was in my case so particularly during my first day I remember I would pay lots of attention to what <laughs> to what you and the other British people were saying because Um, sometimes when you're just learning at home, you, you fail to realize all these little differences between what you're trying to say or what you're saying and what they say, they being you the natives. (laughs) (laughs) So actually thinking about these things and trying to emulate them yourself is, is really important though. I think, I think it was for me.
0: Yeah. I I just remembered that some of you guys in. in in the house where we, we we stayed used to complain because i speaking to myself in the shower uh, i don't know I don't, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if you remember that but oh
1: definitely <laughs> i definitely remember that that was hilarious
0: m- 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 <laughs> most, mostly in spanish um but yeah i i just to add to what you said i honestly think speaking to yourself is i recommend it it's it's a great way to actually practice pronunciation create your own scenarios in your head use the language uh, and you can put, um, putting emotion into language is also something you, I, I recommend people do, you know, tr- try, try being angry in the shower, tr- uh, try being uh, impressed in the shower. So some things like that seems to help as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've done that too, lots of times. I just, I didn't, I didn't do it so publicly as I did, <laughs> which was, <laughs> that was so awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But definitely a useful thing to do. Awesome. Talk as much as you can. Great. Um, and what's next for you? I mean, you go into the robotics field. What, what's your what's your next steps after the masters?
1: Well, my idea is to continue doing research, try to get PhD in robotics after this, uh, which will um, it will take some four years to complete. So that would be yeah. ideal to actually start developing new applications for the field and try to try to make some awesome improvements and exciting developments. So, obviously, I'll, I'll try to stick to storm robotics, which is what I'd like to do. Yeah. And we'll see, I guess, I guess in a few years, we'll see how that went.
0: Because I understand it's it's relatively new, right? It's relatively um, a new area of robotics.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, a lot of the developments um, that are being made are still pretty fundamental. As in, there's, you, you'll find very few actual applications in an in industry of, of a robotics platforms so a lot of the um, research, research going to how can we actually put all this knowledge that we've been gathering in academia and you know how can we make it all safe and reliable so that we can start using all these cool things that we've been doing
0: yeah it's the future right people will start maybe seeing it uh in use more and more uh yeah i've seen i, saw- I, I very much hope so yeah. <laughs> oh, you hope so, because then you're guaranteed a job in the future, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Great. Well, Guillermo, thank you so much for uh, sharing what I think is a fascinating topic about swarm robotics and something that people can uh, expect to see more of in the future, and also a bit about English and. Resources which people can check out to to find out more. So, thanks so much for for your time. No problem, man.
1: uh, It was fun. (laughs) It was fun to talk again with
0: you and glad to see that people can be interested in swarms as well. Perfect. And for everyone listening, remember that if you'd like to study this conversation and understand fully everything that was, was discussed, you can go to the website and check out the homework for the next podcast, which will prepare you with vocabulary uh, ready for the next time. Goodbye.